0: Well, tomorrow morning, uh, the Abbott family will begin a series of of traditions that, that we do every Christmas morning. We'll start with our stockings, we'll open our little stocking gifts, and that'll give me time to put the traditional Christmas morning casserole in the oven, which I'm way too proud of. Uh, it's just, a, it's just a, a recipe off the internet, but I'm really proud of it. And so, and so I'll put that in, and then we'll eat breakfast, and then we'll our, have our kids open their three gifts. Jesus got three gifts at Christmas. We don't need more than that. That's a parenting win. You can write that down. So they get three. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, it's hard to do in retro, though, so if you I already mess it up. But between the casserole and and the three gifts, we will sit down and Abby and I will take this really big oversized Bible that we got as a wedding present 18 years ago and we'll read that story. We'll read the story of the angel choir singing to the shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks at night. Maybe you have... Uh, a similar tradition in your family growing up and so hearing that story from Luke 2 brings some sense of nostalgia to you. Maybe you share a tradition like that today. Maybe you've visited churches for a long time and and come on on Christmas Eve. People have invited you and and you've heard that enough that if I asked you, you could probably recite it kind of piece by piece, even if it's Linus in your head kind of giving you the words from Peanuts. You could probably do Luke 2 in your head. And it's possible that the story of the birth of Jesus for you as you walk in on Christmas Eve is familiar to the point where it feels unnecessary. Like it sits on a shelf with with things that were important at one point, but now just, just collect dust in our lives and in our minds. But my hope is in the next few minutes, And honestly, this is my hope every single time we gather on Christmas Eve. It's the same as what I pray for as we walk into these services, that together we wouldn't just hear the story again and then go on about our business. But we try to walk in the shoes of the people that experienced the coming of Jesus. Because I think the people that experienced it, the shepherds that had this announcement come to them, their hopes and their dreams and their insecurities and their hardships and their anticipations and their longings, they're the same ones we have. And the way that God breaks in there is what we need here. And I think how they responded to Jesus' coming tells us a lot about how we should as well. And so there were shepherds living out in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The first readers of the Gospel of Luke would have been shocked by that line. But not just because angels showed up, because shepherds were included in the story. Shepherds were essentially Jewish migrant workers. They traveled across long distances uh, in the Midbar, the the, the wilderness. And they would be looking for green pastures for their sheep. And so according to the culture of the day, the Jewish culture of the day and religious law, shepherds were unclean. Dirty work made dirty people. Now, if you're my nine-year-old, you consider being dirty like a badge of honor. Like, you hold that with great esteem. You're like, look at me, I'm dirty. And I get that. But in this culture, it had a whole different connotation. Being dirty separated you from community. Because in that day, it was thought that the the, the, the dirty work that you did and the uncleanness that you Had if that was brought into the religious festivals of the day, and that was the heartbeat of the community, was the religious festivals, if that was brought in there, it would somehow dishonor God and therefore potentially bring condemnation on all of God's people. And so you weren't allowed to be a part of that. You were cut off from community. Add to that that they were looked on with suspicion because they were oftentimes moving. They had no permanent address. They moved around, like I said, through the midbar. And so they were oftentimes accused of being thieves, When something came up missing, they would say it was probably shepherds. Were there any shepherds in town? Because that's probably who it was. They weren't permitted to give testimony in court because they didn't think that they, the, the thought was they weren't honest people. Shepherds, in the truest sense, were left out people. And they show up in the Christmas story. Growing up in Indiana, everyone in my neighborhood played baseball. It was kind of a a rite of passage. Everybody had to play Little League Baseball, and so I played Little League Baseball, and I was all in. I had baseball cards floor to ceiling. I slept with my baseball glove underneath my pillow. I mean, I was sick with it. And so there was this one particular year that I thought I was playing pretty well. And I was excited because at the end of the year, every year, there would be an All Star team announced. And the all-star team was made up of two players from each team in the league. And it was a big deal, and they would announce it under the lights at the field after the last game of the season. And so I was so confident that I was playing so well I was going to be on that all-star team. I I didn't just go, even though no one had particularly invited me. I just showed up. But, But I invited my friends. And every girl that I was interested in. And I said, the whole town should see me in my full glory. And so they're announcing the names, and I was on the Cubs, and so they're now for the Cubs, Fred Johnson. That made sense. That was the coach's kid. That's all politics. We know how that works. I'm not still bitter about it, don't worry. So Fred Johnson's first, and then the next name that's called for the Cubs wasn't mine. And I was crushed. I mean, I was absolutely crushed. I was embarrassed, but I was just crushed. We all know what it's like to not have our name called, to look into what is good, but have to experience it from the outside, to feel left out. And that doesn't stop when we're kids. Maybe when we, when we look at uh, people in our workplace getting promotions and moving up the, the corporate ladder, we see what's good, but we're watching it from the outside. We feel left out. Maybe this time of year, especially this time of year, we watch movies and and maybe we we, uh, kind of go shopping or even in our own lobby, we see what other families are doing and they look so put together and they look like they have it all right and and it looks like they're enjoying each other and it's like, that's so good, but I don't get a taste of that. My family's not like that and so I'm experiencing what is good, but I'm only watching it from a distance. At Christmas time, on Christmas day, God breaks in for the left out and the outsiders The message that you're only in, you only matter if you check the right boxes, if you come from the right place, if you act the right way, if you have the right job, if you make all the right parenting decisions, if you make it to every place on time, if you have it all put together, that idea that you only matter if you check all of those boxes off is proved untrue at Christmas. When the skies break open and angels announce peace to the shepherds, you're loved. You matter. You're loved. You're not left out. The birth of Jesus, Christmas, makes the character of God so very clear. Uh, that's, That's what I love about this time. We get crystal clear on who God is. I mean, think about it. If you were throwing a birthday party for your kid, who would you invite? probably people that had it somewhat together, somebody that wasn't going to cause a scene at the birthday party, someone that didn't have a past of experience of being untrustworthy because you don't want to keep an eye on him while you're doing the birthday party. And then if your son is royalty, you're certainly going to invite important people, dignitaries, things of this nature. God said, I want to invite shepherds to my son's party. I said, yeah, but they're uneducated. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but they're thieves. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they, they, might, they might show up drunk. You know that, that shepherds, they're always drinking all the time out, out in the cold. Yeah, God says, I know. But this is good news of great joy for all people. And if this is good news of great joy for all people, let's start with the people who were outside before. Let's start with the weak and the frail and the exhausted. Let's start there, God says. Because if you have to have it all together to be included in the good news, it isn't good news for all people. And I'm thankful that it's not because I don't have it all together. I'm not all right. If you're honest, you didn't walk in here tonight. You're not all right. And you know the person sitting next to you isn't? You can laugh. They're not going to get mad at you. And Jesus knew that. He knew we weren't all right. And so he came. And God knew this would be so confusing. He knew it would be confusing for people that, that thought the way you get to him is to get yourself right. God knew it would be confusing, and so he invited the shepherds to the party. They got the first invite. And that's what the first two chapters of Luke are all about. We see this surprise coming from God, that God announces the coming of Jesus to the most surprising of people. We get an unwed, pregnant teenage girl in Mary. We get a shamed priest in Zechariah, and now we get the outsider shepherds. Maybe what you need to hear today on Christmas Eve more than anything else is if you feel left out or if you feel like you fall short of what you should and you don't have it all together, there is good news for you. You're invited. So the shepherds that aren't that different from us, that hear first, the angels show up to them. And that doesn't happen every day, and so the shepherds aren't expecting this. They weren't expecting it. And so it says in verse 9, they're terrified. Fear is a natural response when something unexpected happens. That's why every interaction I have with squirrels is absolutely terrifying. (laughs) I know, you're laughing, because it's all fun and games. They're cute, and they're cuddly, and they're they're sweet, and they have the tails. Stay woke, people. They are dangerous. (laughs) I mean, think about it. If you're walking down the road, and uh, you're minding your own business. You're trying to be like a good, upstanding citizen, minding your own business, trying to be productive in society, and a squirrel darts out in front of you, right? And maybe they're a couple feet feet in front of you, and and they freeze, and you freeze, because that's what always happens. Everybody freezes for a second, time stands still, and you lock eyes, your eyes, with the black eyes of the squirrel that imitate its black, dark soul. And what happens next? No one knows. No one knows. You don't know. The squirrel doesn't even know. He could run away. He could run left, right. He might just jump on your face and gnaw it right off. No one knows. That's why every interaction with a squirrel is terrifying because it's unexpected. The other day, I was—we uh, have a, a patio door in our bedroom, and out back we have bird feeders, uh, and and so I feed I feed birds because I'm turning into my grandfather. And uh, as soon as I start polyurethaning things for fun, the transformation will be complete. And so anyway, I open the shades because that's what I want to see first thing in the day after I make my bed. Of course, I've talked about that before. I open the shades and I want to see birds. You know what I see? Right. But yes, right right in front of the glass, one, one squirrel boldly standing up on his back feet, cocked to the side like this with a nut in his hand, and he's just staring at me. <laughs> Terrifying. I'm not here for that. A run-in with an unexpected squirrel that's one thing. This is an unexpected angel. Right? And when angels show up, they always say the same things. we talked about this throughout Advent. If you haven't been with us, I'll catch you up. Angels always say the same thing when they meet people. Don't be afraid. That's always the first line. You know why? Because they're terrifying. So if an angel showed up here right now, put his arm around you, and say, hey, I've got some good news for you, you wouldn't be like, cool, I've been waiting for you. You'd be terrified just like the shepherds are, right? And so don't be afraid. I have that effect on people. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. And this is good news that will call joy, cause joy like you've never experienced before but not just for you and not just for your family and not just for your community and not even just for God's chosen people, Israel. This is good news for all people. That's us, by the way. This is good news for all people. A baby has been born. A baby for the shepherds living in the field, migrant workers shunned by their society, a baby. Sounds like okay news. Doesn't really seem connected to what I have going on right now. And we might think the same thing walking in here. Honestly, we might say, like, Jesus being born, Savior, that's okay news. It's pretty good. I dressed up a little bit and came to church. That's that's like okay news. But the shepherds hear that this baby is the Messiah. He's the Lord. And then to turn the volume up to 11, the angels are joined by this heavenly angel army choir uh, in the Bible uh, because it seems uncomfortably close to a musical all the time. They just start singing. Um, Read the first two chapters of Luke. Everybody's singing. And so if you like musicals, you're like, yay, I love Luke. If not, you're like, what is going on? Anyway, so they start singing, and they say, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. These are unexpected messengers. Delivering news to unexpected people, the shepherds. But it's also coming at an unexpected time. I think we can sometimes read the Old Testament or what we know about the Old Testament. know that there are prophecies about Jesus and assume that there was this overwhelming expectation that God was just going to show up and he was just about to act. But that's not really true. There had been a long silence from God leading to the birth of Jesus. It's just one page in the Bible for us. It's Old Testament, we flip over, it's New Testament. But in real time and space, that's 400 years of time. It's a long, long wait. It wasn't like everybody was biting their nails waiting for God to show up. Any idea what that feels like? To have a long enough wait that it seems uncomfortably silent from God, and so you start asking these questions When is this going to end? When am I going to get to start my family? When am I finally going to be fulfilled in my work or in my marriage? When am I going to catch a break? When am I going to have some peace? When is God going to fix this? And if we have to ask those questions long enough with seemingly no answer, the next question becomes, is God gone? Like, did he give up altogether? He used to be so close and now nothing. He seems, seems like he's gone. So it wasn't like everybody around was saying God is about to show up any minute. And you might say, well, come on. You've got all these ancient writers. You've got the prophets who talked about Jesus coming and the expectation that God was going to return and set things right. Yeah, that's true. But the end of the Bible says that Jesus is going to return and he's going to undo everything that is wrong with this world. And he's going to reign forever and forever. But how many of us expect it tonight? So there may have been this intellectual expectancy, but that night people weren't waiting around for God to show up. 400 years of silence will do that to people. It'll make the truth sound like a lie, it'll make lies start to sound like the truth. There's this lie that God is distant, that He's uncaring, or that He's not there at all. But that lie falls apart on Christmas. That's because, in the words of The great sages of our days, the Berenstein Bears, no matter how hard you try, you can't make truth out of a lie. God broke in with the truth of his love with the birth of Jesus. He broke in. And a lot of us aren't familiar with that kind of love. We kind of maybe get glimpses of it, but we're not really familiar with a love that totally comes after us, that absolutely pursues us. It's what we want. I mean, if I ask you what type of relationship you want, you might say, well, I want one where I'm supported, where people come after me, where people don't give up on me, where I don't have to be at my best, but I'm still loved along the way. It's the type of relationship we want, but a lot of us are unfamiliar with that. Some of us can't even fathom that anyone would love us that way, let alone the creator of the universe. But Christmas reminds us he does. He loves us that much. No matter how outside you feel, no matter how long you've been waiting and hoping, even if you've been waiting so long, you wonder if God is ever going to show up, if he's ever going to come through. God does show up to unexpected people at unexpected times. So how do the shepherds respond to this news? When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And then verse 16, so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They hurried off. I love this. I love it. They didn't take time to, to think about it. They didn't, they didn't say, well, let's sleep on it. Make sure it wasn't something we ate. That was kind of a weird thing. I'm a little overwhelmed by the whole deal. Let's just kind of wait. No, they hurried off. They didn't wait. To go find the peace that they couldn't find anywhere else. The peace that we all search for that none of us can find anywhere else. Remember how the chapter begins? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken. That's what sent Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, to the town of David where Jesus was born. Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. He became the ruler of Rome after a bloody civil war where he defeated Mark Antony. So Caesar Augustus, or Octavian, as the history books uh, will call him, from 27 B.C. to 14 A.D. led the Pax Romana, the, the peace on earth. He was hailed the Prince of Peace, the bringer of tranquility, the deliverer from war and bloodshed, who brought mercy and justice and freedom. And for good measure, he had Julius Caesar declared posthumously divine and started calling himself the Son of God. But his peace on earth wasn't peace for all. It was a peace born out of conquest and domination. It was Roman rule, they can tax how they want or you'll just be eliminated. And so, that was the peace that Rome and Augustus brought, one of almost continual war and conquest and repression. Caesar's peace wasn't peace in a truest sense at all. It was peace for the powerful and those in authority, but it was treacherously hard for everyone else. But what Luke is saying, what he's making clear with the reference to Caesar Augustus and here the birth of Jesus, born in a manger, no pomp and circumstance, no overt display of power, is he's saying this is God, how he has precisely chosen to break in after what seems like a long silence with a true definition of peace against Caesar's that shatters any poor imitation of peace that we can create on our own. Jesus is the one who shows up to bring peace. He's the son of God. He's the one who said, come to me all who are weary, I'll give you rest. Do you feel weary? Are you tired? He's the one that said, I came to set the captives free. Do you feel captive? Do you feel like you can't shake free of something in your life? You know it's not the best thing for you, but you can't shake free of it. He came to set you free in ways that white-knuckling it through life never will. The shepherds weren't happy to just go greet a new king. They ran to the one who brings peace. Are we willing to do that? Today, are we willing to run to the one who brings peace? See, all the shepherds had, they were really clear on who they were. All they had was that they could hurry. That was it. They didn't have money. They didn't have status. They didn't have clout. They didn't have it all together. Everybody knew that, and they knew that themselves. All they had to offer was a willingness to hurry to their Savior. And they hurried in part because they were surprised they were invited at all. Surprised that he came not to pay sinners back for the wrong they'd done, but to win us back. That's good news of great joy for all people. And that's why it matters if we invite people in, not just the people that look like us or act like us, certainly them, but more than them as well, because this is good news of great joy for all people. And this is a place where people who believe that gather. And if we looked like it, continually, increasingly, if we looked like it, it would be unexpectedly good news in an unexpected time. But the starting point of all of it is having to put down the idea that the most important thing in our world is our comfort. God cleared that up the night Jesus was born. The thing he's ushering in, it's going to get uncomfortable. The thief, the drunkard outsider, the different, the sinner, they're going to be welcomed in. And so we should get used to it. Because what separates us from them, honestly, is almost impossible to see in light of a holy God. We all fall short and we all need good news of great joy for all people so maybe that's where you need God to break in this Christmas, this Christmas Eve maybe where you need him to break in in your life is to soften your heart to the expanse of his love and and the, and the extent of his grace when the shepherds had seen Jesus they spread the word concerning him and would have been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They didn't just hurry to their salvation. They hurried to share it with others. See the unexpected didn't end that night when the skies were torn open. Or when God himself was born in a manger. Or when the shepherds were invited to the party. That's not the end of the unexpected. The unexpected continued when those previously outside now invited in go tell. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't we? This is more than just a story we tell to our kids after we open presents or before we open presents or before we go to bed. It's good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so maybe what comes next for you is to hear To actually hear the truth that wherever you feel like an outsider, wherever you feel like you're the most unexpected person that could be invited, you're loved. And maybe that truth will lead you to hurry to the Savior who came for you. Because there is peace found in Him that cannot be found anywhere else. And that's not because all the circumstances will be set right in an instant. It's not because everything you look around and see will be all right. It's because God stepped in knowing everything about the good and the bad. He was fully aware of your struggles. He's fully aware of your failures and your hopes and your dreams. And he broke in for you to be your peace. Maybe it's time to hear that and move toward the Savior. And hopefully what comes next for all of us is we would be people who hurry to tell this story of the unexpected the Savior. That we would all be people who invite others in, that we would be people who, who, who bring peace on earth, display as much of it as we possibly can, both for those inside and those outside. Because the good news of great joy for all people, it didn't stop the night Jesus was born. It continues to move forward to anyone who will receive it and anyone who will take it out. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the reminder of who you are. Thank you that when you could have invited anybody and it would have been reasonable for you to invite the best and the brightest to be the tellers of your story, you didn't. You chose the opposite. You turned the world upside down and you invited the outsider to make really clear that your love knows no bounds. And your desire to transform this world leaves no one out. Father God, I pray that as we go from this place into what is undoubtedly some hours of, uh, of a lot of busyness, that we wouldn't forget to hear the story we need that is true, that you love us. And that in all the hurrying, we wouldn't fail to hurry to the Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.